Blog Talk Radio. quarter of the show. Thanks to Mo from the BS Sports Show for joining us and, and talking about some of the crazy stuff and the crazy world of sports that we're in. But hey, we got football back. We're going to be talking here in just a minute with Ed Kratz uh, standing by in the balance of the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor. Thanks also to Super Browns fan and Super Ohio State fan Adam Dividen uh, for talking with us what about that win against the Browns. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute as well. I mean, that win for the Browns. Talk about that in just a, a minute. At least somebody got to get their home opener uh, when Rick Reagan also joined us on some Notre Dame football. Looks like Big Ten is back because we had a conversation about that. And also, uh, uh, Tony Donahue joined us to talk to Mindy Carr with us. But joining us now via tape, but we appreciate you taking some time to, to tape with us today so that we could get you on the show uh, today. So you're in what we call a tape delay mode right now. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, can, I can edit anything that's said. No, I'm just kidding. I would never it's edit like virtual, anything. Virtual reality. That's yeah. right. So I appreciate you taking some time. I know it's your home opener there in Philadelphia, and you you had some other things in, in the fire that you couldn't join us live. But we do appreciate you taking some time uh, to talk with us today. You know, let's talk about that loss with against uh, Washington, above all teams against Washington. But you know, I don't have any room to talk. The um, Indianapolis Colts and Philip Rivers upchucked and upchucked and upchucked. They tried so hard to lose that game. They actually beat themselves. We'll get into the Colts in just a minute. But I tell you what, you got your home opener this weekend. Uh, so you, I know you got to be motivated. you got to have uh, fans in the stands. Are there no. No, fans? No, no, no fans? Okay. No, no, no fans, no. Well, will they be allowed to be, tailgate? Uh, strange. No, no tailgating. No fa- they're wow. closing down, you know, just about every single road around the stadium and around the parking lots. I'm not even sure how I'm going to get in the game. I hope my – my press pass and my parking pass gets me, you know, through the barricades they're going to have set up. Oh, my God. Even tailgate, so, yeah. It, it's it's going to be. Now, the Colts are allowing fans to tailgate at a, at a distance part, and in, it's actually in lots that aren't owned by the by the Colts. So, any lots that's not owned by the Colts. And they're, but they're also allowing uh, a limited amount of fans into the game as well. So, oh. you know, it looks like it would be Good. easier for you guys to have – uh, fans in the stands because you're an outdoor stadium. It just looks like that that would be a natural uh, distancing thing. But let's go ahead and, and talk about the loss to Washington. Um, you know, an unfortunate turnover, I guess maybe we could say, was the the the, the root of the evil of that game. Uh, just uh, break us through the X's and O's on, on the loss on the road on your first game against Washington. Yeah, well, I think three things come to mind. First of all, the sloppy and careless play of Carson Wentz. Those two interceptions that he threw that really turned the game around. Um, and that was really the only way the Redskins, or, I'm sorry, Washington could uh, <laughs> move the ball <laughs> was, uh, was with mistakes. It's crazy because the Washington's longest scoring drive was 48 yards. You know, they scored three touchdowns and their drive covered 
48 yards, 45 yards, and 20 yards. So, you know, those were the mistakes that Wentz made. And uh, two, to me, sloppy passes, uh, out-type patterns that he threw to rookies. Now you could say, well, you know, Jalen Rager and John Hightower should have become defensive backs. But listen, they're rookies. This is Wentz's fifth year. Um, he's got to be better. Uh, so Wentz jumps out. Secondly, the pressure that he was under, he was sacked eight times. Now, uh, you know, Lane Johnson, the right tackle, was ruled out 90 minutes before kickoff. Um, that didn't help. So the right side of their line, they were playing a 22-year-old right guard who was an undrafted uh, free agent out of Stanford last year. It was his first NFL start. And then their right tackle was a 23-year-old rookie, fifth-round pick from Auburn, Jack Driscoll. Uh, it's not all the line's fault. Went holds the ball way too long. The running backs were terrible in pass pro, uh, and it led to eight sacks. But the third part of the equation is the P- the game plan Doug Peterson devised, which to me, I just don't get it. I don't understand what the game plan was. There were no designed rollouts to get Wentz away from the pressure. He abandoned the run. They're up 17 to nothing, uh, and they're not running the ball. I know they're probably not successful running the, the ball, but still, you have to run the ball limit mistakes your quarterback is being uh, knocked on his butt every time he goes back to pass there was no runs he ran the ball 17 times Doug Peterson so those three factors are a big reason I think why they lost to Washington last week well and I saw your tweet too but I also saw just the uh, um, upset fan base and they're already talking about Doug Peterson being on the hot seat and we're only one game in (laughs) let's hope it doesn't get any worse for him well, that's how it is in Philadelphia, a very cynical city. You know, he won a Super Bowl just three years ago. But, you know, there were sources that went on the, uh, you know, some podcast, uh, an NFL-sponsored podcast that mentioned that, you know, he's kind of at his limit. He's stressed out. And, you know, I'll tell you, we Zoomed with Doug on Wednesday, and he looked exhausted, uh, did not look well. It looked like he kind of maybe was up all night, probably didn't even leave the facility, may have slept a couple hours here and there on the couch or in a chair. Uh, he just didn't look good. So, I mean, there might be a little something to it, but, you know, listen, one game, um, a coach who's taken this team to the playoffs three straight years, uh, who's won two NFC East titles, you know, this is his fifth year. So in four years, he's won two division crowns, won a Super Bowl. Um, it almost sounded like it wasn't he was in jeopardy of losing his job from his higher-ups, but it almost sounded like he was just resigned and, and just kind of maybe burned out and that he would resign. So, uh, that's kind of how it made it sound to me, and uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. You know, there's still 15 weeks to go, but if this comes off the rails uh, quickly, then we'll see what happens with Doug. Well, I saw a tweet from one of your uh, uh, competitors over at ESPN, uh, Tim McManus, uh, said that Miles Sanders says he's 100% healthy uh, to play, and we know that he had a hamstring issue uh, in, in the Washington game. Uh, is he off the injury list? And certainly he's a, he's a key part of your running game. Yeah, he practiced all week. We just had a Zoom interview with him uh, Friday afternoon, uh, and he said he's playing. So he's playing, and he was asked, to, do you think his, uh, his touches or his snaps will be limited? Because, you know, he's a guy who hasn't done anything in a month. I mean, what kind of shape is he? And he had a hamstring injury. How much conditioning was he able to do? But he was asked that question, and he said he hopes not. So he's hoping that he has a full role. Um, and, you know, one thing about Miles, in addition to his pass catching and his running that, you know, kind of put him in the rookie of the year conversation last year is his pass blocking. Um, that was a big issue with the run, running backs that the Eagles brought out there on Sunday in Washington was Boston Scott and Corey Clement 
really showed no interest in, in blocking anybody. And Washington's blitzes really hurt the Eagles, especially up the middle. So that's where you hope Sanders can make a difference, too, is in the past pro. Well, you got the home opener uh, there at Lincoln Financial Field on lockdown, if you will. And I, I saw a tweet uh, uh, from somebody within a Philadelphia organization or the city that said that to, to take this very seriously and that you're on notice. So uh, they, they, I guess they're going to be issuing citations and maybe even possible arrests if, if people violate this. So it is something that people have to take seriously. But inside Lincoln Financial Stadium, even as weird as it might be without fans, you got the L.A. Rams uh, coming into town. Let's talk about that game. Yeah, uh, well, you got it starts with Aaron Donald. Uh, you know, he's a game wrecker. We saw what he did against the Cowboys in their opener. He hit, the, hit Dak Prescott four times, got a sack. Uh, and now you're looking at uh, Nate Herbig, who is that 22-year-old right guard I mentioned uh, earlier here. Uh, he's going to be making his second start. And even though the Rams like to move Donald around up front, uh, I think they're going to try to exploit that matchup against Herbig. And, you know, good luck to him because uh, Donald's a beast. Um, so the Eagles are going to have to try to keep things away from him. But, you know, that said, the Eagles have played Donald-led teams three times previously, and they're 3-0 and against the Rams in those games. And Donald still doesn't have a sack against any of the Eagles' quarterbacks in those games. So, you know, historically they've done a good job with him. But, you know, that was when Brandon Brooks, you know, the pro bowl, all pro right guard was healthy. Uh, now he's not. So, you know, you're really going to have to take care of him. And then on the defensive side of the ball for the Eagles, they're, you know, obviously – uh, you know, Sean McVay likes to use a lot of pre-snap motion stuff and move guys around and loves to control tempo and misdirection stuff. So the Eagles are going to have to be disciplined uh, with the rise. They're going to have to make sure that they're set up properly before the ball is snapped and know where the Rams might go with the ball. So it's a big test. Uh, you know, the Rams were in the Super Bowl just two years ago, a uh, little bit of a down year last year, but they, they're coming in off a great start against a pretty good Dallas team. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com and our official NFL contributor. Uh, we're doing a, a pre-record t- uh, this afternoon uh, because I know Ed couldn't join us for the live show, so we appreciate you joining us. Well, I also had a disappointing week last week, and uh, that was, you know, a very disappointing loss down in Jacksonville. Jacksonville was probably uh, thought on paper anyway to be the, the worst team in the AFC we were certainly uh, billed to be one of the best teams in the ESC. We talked about how how great our offensive line is, but we still had situations that arose and arose rather quickly. I mean, at first, I mean that first touchdown pass by Philip Rivers to Naheem Hines, we like seamless, perfect. And I was like, yeah, C fans don't have anything to worry about because what a lot of people might not know that's not in this market. There's only one person they hate more than Tom Brady, and that's Philip Rivers. And so uh, the, the social media was going crazy, as you can imagine, by the end of that game. And they beat themselves. I don't want to put everything on Philip Rivers, but he is the captain of the team. With him came a lot of, uh, a lot of pressure in that quarterback position that we've been struggling with for the last uh, few years. So, first of all, let's talk about Philip Rivers' performance. And, you know, anytime you get three interceptions, uh, and I, we can say, well, they did have an offseason. They just, they, they, he was still rusty from the offseason, all kinds of things we can say. It doesn't really matter. You're still paid a lot of money to go play football and three interceptions in one game at, and, and to a loss to a mediocre at best team is totally unacceptable from the fans' perspective. And, you know, as they should have, as he should have, he certainly got 
got uh, got crucified on social media and local uh, radio here in Indianapolis. Yeah, well, you know, I never thought I'd see the day when Gardner Minshew outplays Philip Rivers, no matter how old Philip Rivers is. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, Minshew only one ball hit the ground when he threw it, right? I think he was 19 for 20, three touchdowns. I mean, you know, come on, who, who's working the secondary there? I mean, you, you got to do a better job breaking up some passes or covering the receivers there. But, um, yeah, Phillip Rivers, listen, the quarterbacks get all the blame when they lose and all the credit when teams win. So, I mean, I don't think it was misplaced in this situation. But, you know, even that said, you look, look at Frank Reich, and, you know, he has Rivers throwing the ball, what, 46 times in that game? And, uh, you know, only ran it 22 times. Uh, I think you want to bring that a little bit more in balance. Um, and, and it was the same with the Eagles when they lost. They ran the, or, yeah, they ran the ball 17 times and went through 42 passes and was sacked eight times. So he dropped back 50 times. I mean, that's just, you know, that to me is not a recipe for victory unless you're, you know, Joe Montana or Tom Brady even, you know, you got to run the ball. And I know running the ball is kind of passe and it's not exciting and it's, you know, it's kind of boring to watch, you know, a cloud of dust in three yards. But, listen, it's effective, and it makes the quarterback play even more effective if you can run the football and you can do more play-action stuff. So, um, let's see what Rivers does again. It's early. Same with Wentz. Didn't play a good game. But, listen, one game, uh, it, it really stinks to have lost to that team. That looked like kind of a layup game against Jacksonville. And now you, you got a big test on, on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, they're coming in off a loss, and there's a, a lot of expectations in Minnesota uh, to get into the playoffs and make a Super Bowl run, just like there were in Indianapolis. But, you know, one of these teams is going to come out 0-2, uh, and you just hope, you know, from your perspective, Tom, it's not the Colts. Yeah, because statistically uh, that's not a good spot to come back from uh, to, to get into the playoffs. So it's certainly not a must win, but it is a win that we must win, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then there, there was just other situations that were completely – uh, avoidable. I mean, the penalties that we got ourselves in was just incredibly crazy. The Colts, Paris Campbell, rookie. I understand that 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 you know everybody wants to show their stuff. Okay, he got his first real tackle in the NFL and got up and started beating his chest and you know doing the muscle sh- things and getting in the face of the Jacksonville player and and uh, because and the rest saw it. And, and called a taunting call. It got, they, they cost us 15 yards. We were almost in the red zone at that point. The, the pass interference call. So, I mean, we beat ourselves. It wasn't just it wasn't just um, Philip Rivers. And we've got some injuries now on on the off- offensive side. And I just saw where Jack Doyle uh, tied in is certainly going to be a key target for Philip Rivers this year. Uh, is uh, is is rolled out for this weekend's game. So, uh, you know, that's another man down, if you will. But then it also means another man up. So certainly they got the Minnesota Vikings uh, on the road to Minnesota. No, are we at home? My brain is fried. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, Our home, home I believe, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see We'll see how that plays out. Let's talk about another quarterback story of the week, and that was Tom Brady had a pitiful game, and Bruce Arians uh, did not hold back any punches. If you saw the interviews in the media with Bruce Arians, and, you know, at, I, I, like we we joked about, but everybody thought that um, Tom Brady. That means hey, we we don't even have to play the game. We just give us the Vin, uh, the Vince Lombardi Trophy, and we'll go on about our season, uh, on about our year. And Tom Brady looked terrible. So does, does that point to the fact that he's just you know, like we've talked about other quarterbacks having a bad first week, 
or is this a a deeper thing where he was better coached in New England than he is at Tampa Bay with Bruce Arian, and if he doesn't have a good coach, can he carry a team? That question is still to be answered, but what what are your grades on, on Tom Brady and your thoughts on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, Father Time is always undefeated, and Brady's 43 years old now, just turned 43, I think, in August. Um, eventually, eventually, that's going to catch up to him, and you wonder if, you know, maybe this wasn't, you know, the first sign that, you know, Father Time is, is catching up to him. I don't know. I mean, it was it was a very pedestrian outing for Brady. He threw two interceptions, not good. Um, but I think, you know, they didn't run the ball again. Running the ball is the key to some success, and they didn't do a lot of that. Uh, Gronkowski, you know, you wondered what he had left and uh, after coming off several concussions, and he really didn't do anything. I mean, this to me, Tom, it looks like, a dream team type of situation that we saw here in Philadelphia when the Eagles went out and signed, you know, Vince Young and all these, you know, terrific players back in 2011, you know, and that's what the Bucks did. You know, they got Brady, they got Gronkowski, they got Fournette, uh, you know, they signed all these guys. And now it's a matter of making it work without any off season preseason. Uh, and that, and that's up to uh, Bruce Arians to pull that together and, you know, he went out and criticized Tom Brady. You never saw Bill Belichick calling out Brady in public. He would do it behind the scenes in film study and in meeting rooms, but he would never call out Brady publicly. So, you know, Arians, uh, you know, he likes to come out and do that stuff. And But, you, you know, you risk losing some of your team. And a guy like Brady, 43 years old, who's been around for, you know, 110 years, whatever, whatever it's been, I mean, I don't know how he's going to handle this. I don't know how yeah. he's going to handle it. Um, you know, and we're going to – I mean, look, the Saints are a really good team. I think I had them in the Super Bowl – uh, representing the NFC this season. Uh, Drew Brees' last draw, I think he goes out on top. Uh, it would be a great story. But I just think that, uh, you know, that's a tough team. Let's see how uh, the Bucks settle in now. They have a week of practice. They have a game under the belt. Uh, let's see how they do. I'm not sure who they're playing. Are they playing maybe Atlanta? Is that who they're uh, playing? I, I, I can't. Uh, uh, sure. the Panthers. Uh, Buccaneers are playing the Panthers this week. Oh, the pan- yeah. So there you go, and it's a, and it's their home opener, and um, you know that Tampa Bay region is energized with Brady and Gronkowski. You know, there's probably going to be a ton of Brady jerseys uh, in that. Uh, you know, in the well, I don't know if they're having fans, but uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of Brady jerseys in Tampa at some point this year. Uh, so you know, it's going to be you know, this is a game the Bucks should win. They should get back on track with this win, and we'll see what Brady can do to get them uh, pointed in that direction. Because Carolina, um, you know, they're still kind of a work in progress, uh, breaking in Teddy Bridgewater, new head coach, and Matt Rule. So we'll see what what Bruce Arians has in store for him this week. Well, on the other hand. Talking about uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, uh, Cam Newton, uh, another aging quarterback, went out there and showed that uh, he could he could do very well under Bill Belichick. Yeah, I mean he, he they had you know he looked like a Cam Newton of you know his MVP year back a few years ago. He was healthy, he ran the ball a lot, he threw the ball. I mean he controlled that game. And uh, listen, you know the Dolphins aren't any great shape. That was kind of a layup game, just like the Jags should have been for the Colts. So you have to give some credit uh, to Belichick winning that game. Um, Again, a big emphasis on the run game in there. Uh, They really did a lot of running. A lot of that was from Cam Newton, but uh, uh, you know, that was good. And it's interesting to see now as Belichick and Brady begin to separate themselves, 
we always talk about who's more responsible for the success of that dynasty in New England. Was it Brady or was it Belichick? And, you know, here we are, Brady's 0-1 and Belichick's 0-2. But um, I don't – I think they have a pretty good game this week. I think it's the uh, Sunday night primetime game. New England goes yeah, out against Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's going to be – you know, listen, Seattle's pretty good. I mean, I think them and the Orleans might be the two best teams in the NFC – uh, so that's going to be, well, you know, we'll see how good Belichick and Newton are against, uh, you know, the Seahawks on Sunday night. So, uh, last night, good game against the two Ohio teams that we saw the, uh, we saw the, the beginning of the era of the Joe Burrow years down in, 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 with the Bengals. They were on the road to the Browns and the Browns pick up a win. We don't get to say that very much, but the Bengals and the Browns, uh, and certainly, as this is free tape, but I, uh, Adam's going to be on, and was on earlier when this show, when this airs. Uh, so we will definitely be diving into that with his full of excitement uh, for sure. Yeah, but the yeah. Bengals and the Browns. <laughs> the Bengals and the Browns. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think Joe Burrow is the real deal in Cincinnati. I think he's, you know, if they can put a team around him, a defense especially. Um, and then you can't have him throw the ball 61 times uh, in a game. I mean, that's that, that's not doing him any favors. It's not doing your team any favors. I know they kind of fell behind and they needed to, uh, you know, throw the ball a little bit more. But, uh, you know, you got a guy like Joe Mixon back there, and I know they ran him 15 or 16 times, not not a lot of success under three yards per carry. Um, but still, uh, a lot of pressure on Burrow to throw the ball 61 times. But, man, I really like him. I think, you know, he showed a lot of poise, a lot of moxie, good pocket presence. Um, it's going to be great to watch him develop, and hopefully the Cincinnati's got themselves a franchise quarterback. I think they do. Uh, Cleveland, on the other hand, they did a great job running the ball last night. Um, you know, over 200 yards on the ground, which is terrific. Um, Mayfield didn't have to do too much. He threw the ball 20-some times, 23 times, I think it was, and uh, had an interception but threw two touchdowns. He did enough. That's all you want your quarterback to do is manage the game and then let, you know, if you can run the ball like they were able to with Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's a pretty good recipe right there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. I, I think it's kind of neat that the Eagles are playing both these teams this year. Cincinnati comes to Philadelphia in two weeks, and then uh, the Eagles will go to Cleveland. I'm not sure when, but uh, at some point this year, probably when it's snowing uh, up there in Cleveland. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was kind of neat to see. I mean, these two teams are, that was an exciting game. You know, it was a fun game to watch. Um, I didn't watch all of it, but I watched most of it. And I thought it was a good game to watch. And I think the Browns, that, that's a good win for them. They, you know, they had Odell Beckham got his touchdown pass, a nice long uh, 43 yarder, I think it was. And then, um, you know, they did a good, they did a good job against the defense of the Bengals, which really, really needs work. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon to be aired when you're listening to us. So uh, thanks, Ed, I mean, yeah, for joining us. Let's walk around the league real quickly here, uh, see what we can get through here in about the next five minutes or so. The Giants are at the Bears. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, well, the Giants, uh, their defense played okay against Pittsburgh. They didn't win, but uh, they played okay. Saquon Barkley didn't have a good game uh, in the run game. I think he was, you know, he had a decent uh, game in, you know, pass game, uh, catching some balls. But, um, you know, he needs to get on track. It's in Chicago. I don't know how much of a home field advantage there's going to be in the NFL this year with the fan situation. But, um, you know, Chicago did what it had to do. You know, they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to beat the Lions last week. 
Uh, Mitch Trubisky, I think, threw three three touchdowns in that fourth quarter. So that's a great start for them. Um, I, I think the Bears have enough to beat the Giants, though, in this game. So we got the Falcons at the Cowboys. Yeah, Dallas 0-1. Yeah, right. They're going to have fans. Jerry Jones will have fans in Dallas. And I think Dallas will rebound. They'll find a way to beat beat the Falcons. Um, I don't think it'll be easy, uh, but I think Dallas will get on the, off the snide. I think they're the NFC East champs this year, and um, they better start now. Uh, they better win this game. Because <laughs> uh, like we said, 0-2 does not bode well for the postseason. Um so it's uh, you know it's important for them to find a way to win. I think they will. And the Buccaneers, they've got the Panthers. Certainly, Panthers are rebuilding, but they got a very solid Christian McCaffrey there uh, with with the with the Panthers leading that team. Uh, so, what are your thoughts? Uh, the Panthers are at the Buccaneers. Yeah, well, we talked a little about Brady and Marion's, and you know how this team's going to go from here. And it's kind of a dream team situation, which doesn't always lend itself to success, but I, I think, you know, the Bucks are a good, solid team. I, don't, I think everybody kind of over, maybe overrated them and put them in the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship game. I don't think they're that good, um, but I think they're good enough to beat Carolina. Like you said, they're kind of, you know, they have Christian McCaffrey, but, uh, you know, what else do they have there? Um, you know, and they have a new head coach, so, you know, the Matt Rule uh, eventually will get his culture in place, and Carolina will be pretty good, but just not this weekend, I don't think. And we got the 49ers at the Jets. Are the Jets still in the league? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I uh, again, uh, the Niners, disappointing loss to Arizona. I mean, is Arizona for real? I mean, they sure, certainly looked like it. Kyle Murray looked really good last yeah, week. Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, there's always that Super Bowl hangover from teams that have been to the Super Bowl and lost. We saw it with L.A. last year, um, unless you're in New England. You know, they lost to the Eagles in 2017, and they came back and won the Super Bowl in 2018. But, you know, they're, they're the outlier. You know, usually these teams that go to the Super Bowl and lose have a little bit of a hangover the next year. And, you know, maybe we'll see that with the 49ers uh, as the season goes on. But right now I just don't see that uh, – being in the case against the New York Jets team. I think Le'Veon Bell got put on uh, IR. Um, They've lost a couple other guys. I just don't, you know, I think the Jets will probably be in contention for, you know, a top five draft pick by the end of the year. Well, one last final game before we let you go uh, for today, Uh, the Jaguars and the Titans, another AFC South matchup. If the Jaguars are able to go 2-0 in the AFC South, they're going to have a lot of people like myself scratching their head and going, what the? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there, man. I mean, who who saw? I certainly did not see them beating Indianapolis, that's for sure. Um, and I don't see them beating Tennessee, but, uh, you know, I was wrong last week. And, you know, Tennessee had a, had a pretty tough game against Denver there. It was a, I think it was a two-point game, 16-14. And, um, you know, it was out in Denver, uh, but the Titans did enough to find a way to win, um, and I I think they'll win it. I think they'll beat Jacksonville. I mean, I but I said the same thing with the Colts. I thought you know the Colts will beat Jacksonville. So I I'm going to go with the Titans again. The Jags haven't proven to me uh, that this is you know something they can keep doing week in and week out. Um, but hey, maybe they'll be a surprise team. We'll see. Ed, thanks for joining us and taking some time to record uh, with us today. Where can people find your work in Masterpiece the Third? 
Uh, you can hit me on uh, Twitter at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E, or uh, at the SI.com slash NFL slash Eagles site if you want to go right to the Eagles, or sometimes it's right there on the homepage. You can just click Eagles. So that's how you find me. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. You have yourself a good home opener this weekend. Yeah, you too. All right, buddy. Thanks. Have a good day. All right. You too. Bye.